kingdom gives significance to every person on the planet. Kingdom living gives significance to everyday life, life, life. We need big thinkers to stay big, but we need to be involved in the kingdom stuff. You've got to find significance in that, and the kingdom gives you significance. Great. Well, I think Manny did say this is the graveyard session, but uh, we don't believe that, eh? That wasn't a great word. So um, we won't receive that or accept that. Um, Darling, won't you just pass me my diary or something in my Bible, uh, in my bag? I just want to lift this a little bit. This light's reflecting on my screen. So what an awesome few days we've had. eh? It feels like a few days. In fact, it's only been two days. We arrived here. uh, We arrived on Thursday. But um, what a great morning yesterday as we connected with the, the different pastors in the region and then, of course, last night, as we just um, entered in hey, to this equip, entered into God's presence, entered into what God wants to share and speak with us or to us. And so, thanks for that intro, Hein. So you've got a bit of background of where we've come from. And so, I want to talk this afternoon about something that's really been weighing on my heart probably for the last while. As I've, I've looked around at the nation that we live in, a beautiful, amazing nation called New Zealand, but I've begun to see and realize that as the pressures have come on, on believers particularly, many of them have stumbled, many of them have faltered, many of them um, have kind of lost their way. And, and I think what I want to share this afternoon, I trust will not only be helpful, but I trust it will put resolve within each one of us. And the title, as Hannah said, it's, it's staying robust, staying resilient in a hostile world. And I don't need to tell you, we do live in a hostile world. Eh? The society we're living in is becoming more and more antagonistic towards the church. Yes, generally, but also to what we hold to and what we believe. And if that's true of our nation, no doubt it's probably true of this nation. And I think more than ever, the church finds itself in in culturally muddy, or may I even say turbulent, waters. I'm of the opinion that there are issues that we, as the church of today, are facing that the church of yesterday never faced or ever thought they would face. Now, it's not to say they they didn't have their challenges in their generation, absolutely, But when you look at this generation and what is coming against the church, things like in our nation, sexual orientation, gender euphoria, even euthanasia has been passed in parliament to be legalized. And those are just some of the external pressures and challenges that are facing the church. But then what about some of the internal pressures, be they doctrinal or practice? And as I was saying to the pastors yesterday, I want to tell you, being a church leader in this day and age is not for the faint-hearted. But equally, can I say, being a believer, being a Christian, being one of those who will forcefully advance God's kingdom, we cannot be faint-hearted. We cannot be meek and mild. We cannot just go through the motions or play the church or religious game. If we're going to count for God, I want to tell you, we have to grow in our resilience in our ability to stand firm and to advance in the way that God wants us to. 
You know, it's been said that what the previous generation abhorred, this generation tolerates while the next generation celebrates. Unless we as the church can draw a line in the sand and say no more, no further. And I want to say that's what God has called us to be. Because it's a time like never before for courageous and robust and resilient believers to arise. Leaders and churches who will hold the line and who will hold to the truth of what God's Word says. That we're not willing to compromise. We're not willing to water it down. We're not willing to go with what the culture is doing or saying. But we hold firm to what God says in and through His Word. You know, Jesus gave a sobering warning, a sober warning in Mark chapter 8 and verse 38 when he said, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, and sometimes I have to be honest, it feels like we're in that generation now. Hey? He goes on to say, The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Now, can you imagine if the disciples or if the early church had given into the pressures and the cultural norms of the day? I want to tell you, you and I probably would not be sitting here this afternoon. Eh? No, it was their courage that took the gospel out. It was their courage that turned the world upside down. It was their courage that they were known for. Even in, in, in Acts chapter 4, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They took note and realized these men had been with Jesus. They had caught something of Jesus. And the result of it was courage caused them to go and do and be everything that God had called them to be. And so I want to say that today's church, sadly, not generally, but in many quarters, is more about surviving the culture that we find ourselves in rather than transforming it. But you know what? That's not the church that Jesus is building. Eh? And we heard some of that already through, through this equip and certainly what Mally had to, say, to share. And I said to him afterwards, Mally, I've got part two of your message as I'm going to pick up a little bit on what he was saying and just take it, take it in a slightly different direction, but the same heart, same theme, the same challenge I believe is going to come through. Eh? What is the church that Jesus is building? It's not a back-footed church. It's not an apathetical church. But it's a church that is going to stand firm, and it's a church that's going to advance. And Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, including this, this secular, this liberal, this anti-God world culture that we find ourselves in, the gates of those things will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. And you know what? This isn't just Jesus' desire for the church. But you know what? This is his commitment to the church, to his church. And so the answer to the prevailing culture and the pressures that it brings is not for us to retreat, or retreat from it. It's not for us to shy away from the world. But it's to bring heaven to earth. It's to bring the truth and the presence and the power of God to this earth. And it's not only for us to go from this earth to heaven, eh? but it's to bring heaven to the earth. Isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Again, I want to say that's not the prayer of a passive church, a backfooted church, an apathetical church, or a fearful church. And so what is God asking of us as we bring this equipped to a close? Well, He's asking of us that which He's asked of every Christian of every generation before us. And it's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 when he said, Be on your guard, stand firm, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Friends, I want to tell you it's a time like never before where we have to be on our guard. There's so much noise around us wanting to pull us in all different directions. Not even, I'm not even talking about the noise of the enemy and the pressures the enemy tries to bring. But we have to be on our guard more than ever. We have to be on our guard as to what we hold to, what we believe, what God has called us to. But then, of course, we've got to stand firm in the faith. Why? Because there are so many things, again, so many waves of adversity, so many opinions, so many voices that would want to toss us about. And we've got to stand firm in our faith. And then we've got to be courageous. Wow, this is a time like never before for God's people to be courageous and to be strong. Eh? To be strong. Remember what God said to, to Joshua through Moses? Be strong be courageous on four occasions. Eh? And that's still the word that God has for us. Now, of course, Jesus remains our greatest role model in that he was incredibly gentle, he was kind, but you know what? He was also very robust, eh? very robust in what he did, what he did. And so often the picture we have of Jesus is Jesus gentle, Jesus meek and mild, kind of riding side saddle on a donkey. But as we've already heard, but what about the picture of Jesus clearing the temple with a whip? What about him overturning the, the, the tables of the money changers? Malcolm said scoping them. I don't know if our Americans understood what that meant, but scoping is to kick them out. Man, I want to tell you, there's nothing meek and mild about that. Eh? There was a robustness about Jesus when it came to righteousness truth, and justice. So much so that the scriptures tell us that his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. John 2 verse 17. And you know what? Jesus was robust because he was consumed with the things that consumed his father. He was uncompromising when it came to doing and fulfilling the will of his father. So much so we see in Luke 9 Verse 51, how it tells us that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He knew what was awaiting for him in Jerusalem. But he wasn't going to allow the pressures or the pain or anything else get in the way of, of what God had called him to do. And I just love that word, he resolutely. He wasn't looking to the left or to the right. He wasn't looking for a way out. But he was committed uncompromisingly to doing the will of his Father. And so being robust is the ability to stand your ground. But then it's also to press on and to push through, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what the challenges are before you. I want to tell you it's about being zealous for the things that Jesus is zealous about. 
Those things that he is passionate about. I want to tell you when we catch hold of that, a robustness begins to enter, get hold of us. And we're able to pursue those things that God has for us. I like what Paul says here in Romans 12, 11, when he says, Never, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In other words, be robust in the way you live out the call of God. Again, not back-footed, not apologetically, not half-heartedly, but with everything we have, with everything God has put in us as we run this race with perseverance. And so if we're going to be robust in the things of God, then can I say we cannot be respectable? <laughs> Nor must we ever become respectable. Because robustness and respectability are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And it was Gerald Coates who said this, a respectable church will never turn this nation back to God. For too long, in order to gain an ear, we have made it our aim to conform to the world we find ourselves in rather than transforming it. How true is that, eh? And so let me say it again, God has never called us to be respectable. Because there are enough respectable organizations, charities, NGOs around, plenty of them. No, He's called us to be robust and to be forceful and to be deliberate in the way we serve Him and in the way we advance His kingdom. Now it's interesting to see how Paul uses some robust metaphors in, in the form of a, a soldier and a farmer, or an athlete and a farmer, when it comes to serving the purposes of God. And you can read that in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we see how the soldier's only concern is about pleasing his commanding officer. Doing whatever the commanding officer needs him and wants him to do. That's the soldier. He's not caught up with other things, civilian affairs. But there's a robustness in the soldier to only do what he's been commanded to do. And we see the same with the athlete. The athlete will do whatever it takes to win the prize. According to the rules, of course. Let me just state that. But whatever it takes, whatever disciplines, whatever training, whatever effort, whatever is required, the athlete is robust to take hold of that in order to win the prize. And then, of course, the farmer is one who works hard, who gives his best in order, in order to produce a harvest. I want to say to you, that's robust Christianity. Now, closely associated with being robust is this call to be resilient. And this really is what I want to focus on the rest of the time I have. Now, I don't need to tell you that we all experience many ups and downs in life, eh? We go through many things, many challenges, many difficulties. We get hurt along the way. We get disappointed. The unmet expectations that come across our path. So many things that come against us and happen to us. But here's the thing. It's how we come through them and how we bounce back from them that is most important. And let me say it's not just bouncing back, but I think it's actually bouncing forward as we're able to advance, as we're able to progress and move on in spite of some of these things, no matter how tough they've been, no matter how hard they are, that there's a, a sense of resilience in us that we don't just bounce back, but actually we go forward 
we move on even as a result of those things. And so I looked this word up, resilience, and it's defined as the ability to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. It's the ability to spring back into shape after being bent, stretched, or compressed. We've all come through an incredibly challenging time with COVID and all the effects of COVID. And no doubt we've been bent. No doubt we've been stretched. No doubt we've been compressed. But how well have we sprung back? How well have we bounced forward? And I trust, and I do believe this is God's desire for us, that actually that we would be in a stronger place post-COVID than we were pre-COVID. Because God works all things for the good. God uses every situation to train us, to develop us, to mature us, to purify us. And if we haven't come out of it stronger, more in love with Jesus, more purposeful in terms of advancing His kingdom, well then in some ways this whole ordeal has been a waste of time. And what a tragedy, huh? You know, one of the things I've learned, we, I went through, I don't want to get off topic here, but I went through a bout of cancer. And uh, while I was, I'd gone through surgery and I'd gone, I was doing four months intensive chemotherapy, God spoke to me and He said, Mark, this affliction can either be an investment in your life or it can be a waste of time. And I remember saying, God, I want this thing to count in my life. Not only do I want to come through it, but I want to bring many with me on this journey. I want to be able to communicate and share your love with whoever I find myself with. And I remember being in those um, rooms where you have the, the, the intravenous um, chemo. Yeah, not quite a drip, but that four hours in it. I just remember having incredible God conversations with people. Because in the back of my mind, I kept hearing these words. Mark, is this going to be an investment or a waste of time? Are you going to use it for my glory or are you just going to get into a hole? And I want to tell you it's true for all of us. That as we've come out a tough time, God wants us to be advancing in a powerful way. Huh? And I think a Christian definition of resilience is simply this, to have spiritual backbone. <laughs> spiritual backbone. And if you look at that word resilience, it comes from the Latin word resiliere, which means leaping back. And you know what? That's how God wants us to respond to hardships and to heartache and to the heat of the battle. Those times when we've been bent out of shape, when we've been compressed by the challenges of life. It's for us to leap back, to bounce back, to push through, to press on in everything that he's got for us. But sadly, I have to say, that's not always the case for many believers. Huh? At the first sign of trouble, or a challenge, or a disappointment, they fall apart spiritually. They shrink back in their faith. They go into their shells, or they climb the myth tree, or whatever else it might be. And yet in Proverbs 24, verse 10, we read these words. And they have words that have so challenged me over the years. Where it says, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? And I continue to remember that. Whenever I face a challenge and a difficulty and everything within me wants to falter, 
I remind myself, how small is my strength if I just cave in on this thing? And not only my strength, but my faith. And it's always a good test, eh? Are we going to trust God and hang on to Him and come through this thing? Or are we just going to fall apart? In Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5, God warns Jeremiah that into the future, his troubles are actually going to increase rather than decrease. And he says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? In other words, if the small challenges of life are getting you down, stressing you out, tiring you out, then how are you going to get through and overcome the bigger challenges? And he goes on and it says, if you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Again, if you're lacking resilience in the easy times, well, how are you going to manage when things get really tough? And as tough as, as things have been, I'm of the persuasion that they're going to get even tougher. <laughs> and as the world gets darker, we've got to get stronger. And our light's got to shine and will shine brighter. Huh? You know, trouble will come knocking at our doors. And often when we least expect it. Huh? Haven't you found that? You know, Jesus tells us that in this world we will have trouble. But here's the thing, unless we are resilient, and unless we're able to spring back from the setbacks, and unless we're able to keep moving forward, what will happen is we will shrink back, and we'll end up missing on the great plans and purposes that God has for us. Those things that He's prepared for us to do and to give ourselves to, we're going to end up missing them, or missing out on them. But of course, the good news is that even in a world full of trouble, you know what? We can take heart. We can be of good cheer. Why? Because Jesus has overcome on our behalf. He's got it. He's in control. He holds it all together. And we don't have to panic because God's got it. Eh? All right. So then what does resilience do for us? Now that we understand something of the value of it and what it is, what does it actually do for us? Well, three things quickly. Firstly, and this is why it's so important. Firstly, it enables us to stand our ground. And after we've done everything to keep standing. And you know, those who lack in resilience, as I've already said, find it very hard to stand firm. They end up being tossed about by every wind and by every wave. They're all over the place. But I've begun to see those who, who have some resilience in them are able to stand firm, who, can st who st keep standing no matter what happens to them. And this is how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, when he says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. That's God's intention. That's His will for us. And nothing means nothing. Let nothing move you. And, we, and I want to say we cannot afford to be moved in our faith. Again, blown or tossed about by the obstacles or the challenges of life or of what the culture brings. We have to stand firm. And resilience is what keeps us standing firm. Because we know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, eh? who loved us. Romans 8.37.
And so that's the first thing that resilience does for us. It enables us to stand firm, no matter the battle that may be raging around us. Secondly, it enables us not just to withstand, but also to overcome adversity. And uh, we read this in 2 Corinthians 4.8, where Paul says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, yes, but not abandoned. Struck down, not nice, but not destroyed. And that's what resilience does. Eh? In Proverbs 24.16, it says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. You may be knocked down one time, ten times, twenty times, but the good news is you don't have to be knocked out. Eh? And that's the difference. And the resilient person keeps landing on their feet, eh? no matter how many times they get knocked down, because that's what resilience does. And then the third thing is, it's what enables us to finish our race. And again, it's not how we start the race, eh? it's always how we finish it. And uh, I want to run over that finish line. I don't want to crawl over it. I don't want to end up being battered and bruised and just kind of hanging in there. No, no, I want to run hard over that finishing line. And resilience enables us to finish it. This is how Paul puts it in Acts 20, 24, when he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel or the good news of God's grace. And you know, if there was anyone who exhibited resilience, you have to say it was Paul, <laughs> When you see what he went through, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, flogged, a variety of things, but he kept bouncing back. And not just bouncing back, bouncing forward. He kept on God's page. He kept doing what he was called to do. And he knew what his task was. And that's why he reminds us not to become weary. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we don't throw the towel in. And the wonderful thing about resilience is that it prevents us from throwing the towel in. It keeps us in the race. And that's why it's so important. But then the second question I want to ask then is, well, how do we build resilience? How do we become more resilient in our faith? Now that we know how important it is and some of the things that contribute to it, or, or why it is so necessary, what are now some of the things we can do to see that being built in us? And the first one is, and it's, it's, it's so simple and yet so profound, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not on the circumstances, not on the challenges, not on all that is going on around us, but we keep our eyes on Jesus. I want to tell you, when we drop our gaze off Jesus, the resolve begins to melt within us. Courage begins to leave us. And resilience is no longer there. I love it how Peter stepped out of that boat as he looked at Jesus when Jesus said, come. And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, we all know what happened. Eh? He began to sink. He got caught up with all the wind and the waves and the, and the, and the noise of that storm. And he sunk. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 reminds us to do this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith 
who for the joy set before him endured endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so it's in looking to Jesus, it's in considering him that we find courage and we find resilience. And you know what? It's not just looking to him, but it's running to him. It's abandoning ourselves to him in the midst of the noise and the storm and the dramas of life. I love what Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Wow. Let's never forget that. Because I've come to realize when we're under pressure, we, are, we really have end up with two options. We're either going to run to God or we're going to run from God. I encourage you, run to Him. Eh? Run to the Lord who is a strong tower because that's where you find your safety and your security. And so Jesus... The goal and the objective of our faith is the one who strengthens us. It's the one who who builds resilience in us. And it's a resilience to not grow weary, a resilience to not lose heart, and it's a resilience to keep on keeping on. Secondly, how do we build resilience? Well, by letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, as Colossians 3 verse 16 says. You know, Jesus himself said that that man is not sustained by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. And that's why God's word not only strengthens us, it not only sustains us, but it also puts spiritual metal, spiritual resolve, spiritual resilience in us. That's the power of God's word. Paul helps us understand this in Romans 15, 4, where he says, for everything that was written in the past. In other words, everything that we find in God's word was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's the power of God's word, to encourage and to give us hope. And you know what? The more time that we spend in God's Word, I want to tell you, I want to guarantee you, the more resilient you will become. The more time in God's Word, the stronger you become. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Well, I want to say in the same way, resilience comes from dwelling in the Word of Christ. Dwelling in the Word of Christ, not visiting, (laughs) not occasionally looking at it, but dwelling in it, feeding your soul with the truth of God's Word. Letting it build your faith and renew your mind and your thinking, as Romans 12 verse 2 tells us. And then thirdly, how do we build this resilience? How do we become more resilient? By being with God's people. Because relationships give rise to resilience. You know, on our own, yes, we can push through to some degree. We can overcome. We can even bounce back to some extent. 
But you know what? Having others around you, having others watching your back, spurring you on, holding you accountable, I want to tell you will go a long way in you overcoming, breaking through, and finishing your race. We need each other. No person is an island. In fact, it's the way God has ordained it, that we are our brother's keeper, no matter what Cain said. Eh? In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, we're told that two are better than one. And it goes on, it says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. What a tragedy. And so I want to say, having others around you who are there to support you and encourage you and, and to speak into your life is essential if you're going to grow in resilience. It's essential. And you know what? That's why the devil wants to isolate us. Why he wants us to think that we can go it alone. That somehow we can do life and ministry on our own. Because you know what? When we isolate it, not only are we less resilient, but of course we become easy prey for the enemy. No, life is designed for companionship, not isolation. We are created for community. And with it, of course, an interdependence on one another. It's the way God has ordained it. And that's why we need each other. And that's what builds resilience within us. And so as I, I bring this to a close this afternoon, I trust you've got this sense, and I do believe it's something that God wants to just impart to each of us this morning, of this necessity of resilience, of this need for resilience, of how it is that He wants to build greater resilience in us. And the reason is, is because His call and His commission is not for the faint-hearted, but rather it's for the brave-hearted, the stout-hearted. That's the truth. It's those who are able to stand firm and to recover quickly from whatever life and difficulties and culture and anything else throws at them. Those who can spring back into shape after being bent, stretched, or compressed. It's those who will finish their race. It's those who will keep their faith. And how do we do that? By looking to Jesus. By looking intently into His Word. And then by valuing those whom God has put around us. It's tough enough being a Christian amongst the community at times, isn't it? Imagine trying to do that on your own. Imagine trying to fight battles on your own. And that's why God puts us in family, in community, because we need each other. Yes, of course we need Him. Yes, of course we need the, 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 the power and the breath of His Holy Spirit. Yes, we need His Word. But oh, we also need each other. Because God's called us to be resilient. Can I pray for us? You know, we've heard lots over the last two days. It feels like longer, hey? A lot that's been packed into these 
into these sessions. But this is an equipped time. And I know that everything that has been imparted, everything that's been shared, has been done in a way to equip the saints for works of ministry, for that which God has called you and I to. We're not here just to sit on seats, can't call them pews anymore. We're not here just to go through the motions. No, we're on mission. We heard this morning the mission and the mandate that God has for us. We've heard of some of the many different things that could potentially disqualify us from ministry. We've seen how we're to prepare the bride for Jesus' return. We've heard about the kingdom of God and how it's the violent take hold of it, those who are forceful taking hold of it. And now we've heard about this call to become courageous in God, to be robust in the things He has for us, to be resilient so that we don't fall apart. This, I want to say, is all about equipping you, equipping us for everything God has for us. And so, Father, as we bring this equipped to a close, we want to take hold of everything that you are doing and saying. It's not so much about the words that have been articulated. It's more about the words that you would speak into each of our hearts. It's those things, Lord, that you would put your finger on. The spotlight of your Holy Spirit that you would shine in areas Maybe we've even hidden from you, hidden from others. But areas that you're calling us to make adjustments in. Areas of our lives that you're wanting us to grow and to develop, to mature in. Things that you're wanting us to lay down. Well, Lord, this afternoon, we want to do business with you. We don't want to miss what it is that you're doing or what it is that you're saying. And so we ask Holy Spirit even now, won't you just blow across this auditorium, Lord? Just the wind of your Holy Spirit bringing life, bringing truth, bringing perspective, but also, Lord, bringing courage to us. I ask even Holy Spirit now, you would come and you would put resolve within each one of us. That no matter what the challenge are, are, challenges are that we might face, whether they, it's this afternoon or tomorrow or first thing Monday morning, that, Lord, we would know that you're with us on this journey. That you've promised that you'll never allow us to be tested or tempted beyond what we can endure. But you'll always provide a way out for us. That, Lord, even in the midst of, of very trying times, where we find ourselves in, in, in economic recession, job losses, interest rates going through the roof, whatever it may be, that, Lord, we keep our heads up. We keep our hearts open because we know, Lord, you've got it. You're in control and you're working your great purposes out. So, Lord, as we sit before you this morning, we ask, Holy Spirit, won't you just blow 
into every area of our hearts, into every crevice. Blow, wind of the Spirit. Even now, those who may be feeling discouraged, feeling so weak in their faith, Lord, I ask that you would come upon them by your Holy Spirit and that you would impart courage to them even now. That they would just begin to sense strength arising within them. A greater robustness, a greater resilience, spiritual metal coming to them. Those that are anxious, Lord, overwhelmed by life Lord I ask that you would come and just settle your peace upon them that shalom that surpasses all understanding that peace would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus and that they would know that in you and with you they can face tomorrow They can continue on their journey. Oh Lord, we look to you this evening, this afternoon. We ask for your grace to come upon your people. For your life, for your presence, and for your power. Come, Holy Spirit. Won't you just fall afresh on all of us? Won't you just seal those things that need to be sealed? Things that you've spoken into our hearts. Lord, we don't want to just fob them off. We don't want to ignore them. But we want to work them out with you. just take a moment to do that. We've had a wonderful time of ministry in the in the previous session. But if you're just sensing that you're just needing just something more of God's life and God's presence, I want to ask you just to stand where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. If you feel like God has spoken to you, that you're needing to address some things, put some things in place, just stand where you are. I want to pray for you. Father, I bring these folk before you. I thank you that you would say, blessed are those who are hungry, who are thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Lord, even as they stand in your presence this afternoon, I ask that you would come and that you would fill them. Fill them with your presence. Fill them even now with your power. 
ask Holy Spirit that you would put such resolve within them. Such spiritual gumption, spiritual metal. That they would leave here, Lord, not intimidated, not fearful. But that they would leave here full of faith. Strong and courageous in all that you have for them. I ask, Lord, that you would minister powerfully to them right where they are. Without a hand being laid upon them. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon them even now in the name of Jesus. And that you would minister powerfully to them. I ask, Lord, that you would fill them afresh with your Spirit. And that they would just sense your life coming even now. In the name of Jesus. Fresh life. Fresh energy. Fresh vision. Fresh purpose. I ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Kingdom gives significance to every person on the planet. Kingdom living gives significance to to everyday life, life, life. We need big thinkers to stay big, but we need to be involved in the kingdom stuff. You've got to find significance in that, and the kingdom gives you significance.